0: Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information, and entertainment. Hosted by the hockey writers Blaine Pudbang, all Habs Matt Smith, and Treg Toxic-Wilson. Our goal is to provide you unfiltered discussion and entertainment. Sit back and Enjoy. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Padme, and I am joined now by Matt Smith. Hey guys, and Treg Toxic Wilson. Hey, what's going on? So we've had a a little bit of a busy week. I mean, last week, uh, sadly, we didn't have Treg with us. How is everything going at home now, Treg?
1: Oh, everything's good. It's good now. I had uh, uh, my mother had fallen, so I had to deal with that, and she's on the elderly side so uh you know personal stuff sometimes takes supersedes stuff like
0: this well that's good to hear that everything's okay and under control um so this episode Treg you uh you interviewed
1: Jason Paul I did yeah a uh, good uh, interview with Jason Paul a colleague of yours with the hockey writers um, he uh, also has this program out called Versus where you can stack teams together and go over almost every statistical uh, statistic that's out there and compare it per team to see which team is uh, better at what. And he also has a program now where you can do it with players. So we talk about that for a bit. Uh, we talk about the trade deadline and what the future holds for the Montreal Canadiens.
0: Well, that's good. Uh, I know Jason uh, is a big fan of Nick Suzuki as well. So he's he's even compared him to uh, Steve Eiserman.
1: Oh, that's a big comparison. I know, but uh,
0: yeah. But for this segment, we're gonna have uh, we have a fan question. We've got a couple of uh, uh, some news items that we're gonna go over, and then we'll we'll just start chucking crap at each other. So um, if you guys don't mind, I'll just dive right in and start with the news. Sure. Okay, Matt, you you cool with that? Yeah, you go right ahead. Okay, just check and make sure you weren't napping. Oh,
1: yeah, you'll hear me. <laughs> he is Air Force, so yeah. you, know, you got to check in on that
0: stuff. <laughs> I know. They disappear sometimes and take naps. That's what we do. That's why they call him Chair Force. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll just dive into the news of the day. Uh, it was announced today via RDS. Um the AHL All Star Game is going to be held in Laval in 2021, so that's big news. Uh, Rocket fans in in Laval are going to get to enjoy the All Star Weekend. Uh, I think that's that's uh, that's going to be a pretty good weekend for uh, people in Montreal to go check out.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, maybe uh, FERC or Halifax boy here or Moosehead boy will break another record.
0: Yeah, if he's still in the if he's still in the AHL, maybe, maybe. It was nice to see the Mooseheads do a little bit of domination at the AHL level.
1: Well, yeah, because they're not dominating anything at the Q level, so
0: it's an off year. It's just an off year. Rebuilding, rebuilding. Cam Russell's got it.
1: Yeah, well, he's made some pretty good trades.
0: Yeah. All right, and the next bit of uh, housekeeping. Um, so, the ECHL expansion deadline has come and gone. Uh, now, there is no chance for a new ECHL, ECHL franchise for next season for the Canadians. Now, I've got some connections down in Trois Rivières, and I wrote an article on the Canadians' minor league system for the Hockey Riders. And some of the information I was able to put together uh, is. I think our listeners benefit from hearing it. So, uh, Mayor Jean Amalch uh, claims to have received conf- uh, conflicting reports from the Canadians. Um, the one public statement the Canadians have had from the beginning, and it has not changed, and no other public statement has been made, is that the Canadians are willing to commit to becoming a principal associate for an ECHL franchise in trois Point final no other no, uh, no other information has come out other than they want a team there so um the conflicting claims that uh mayor jean-emaux claims to have heard uh was that um he was given a conflicting report from a different uh, vice president France belanger um so the conflicting report there was that she had mentioned to the council and the mayor that Uh, the Canadians were not interested in working with uh, Dean McDonald of the uh, Newfoundland growlers, who was also helping with uh, bringing an ECHL franchise there. So what this means now is that trois Rivieres is apparently supporting a youth sport bid for L'Université de Québec, Rivieres as a front runner for being the main tenant, uh, which no doubt is a PR nightmare for the Quebec uh, hockey powerhouse, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the issue I see with that is um, if that is really the desire of the mayor to bring in UQTR, uh, for a city that doesn't want to pay subsidies to prop up a management of their new rink, bring a U-sports team as a principal tenant, a team that only attracts something close to 500 people maybe uh, per game with a season of about 14 games, uh, home games that is, uh, while excluding a professional franchise, which is supported by one of the richest hockey franchises in the world, uh, which also has Avenco, which is a, uh, a an entertainment group that which can add concert dates. They can they can help with the management. They can pay for the management. Um, none of this makes financial sense. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I think this is this is just poor management uh the canadians didn't help themselves but the mayor is not seeming to help himself either
2: for me it looks like it would have been the perfect scenario for the canadians to finally be able to take control of their uh of their prospect pool instead of taking guys like McNiven and shopping them around the echl to to any team that has an opening so it's if you know if if that's the way that it's going to be it's it's really disappointing for the uh for the future of some of these young kids
1: uh yeah uh especially a mcniven's uh it really hurts the development of a mcniven if he's only playing like every like once every two weeks or something silly like that so uh they really i i feel they really need an echl club to uh to help with their uh development
0: see i i completely agree i wrote i uh, wrote an entire article on just this uh bringing in a, a multi-tiered farm system and yeah, McNiven's been shuttled around. I mean, he's played about nineteen games so far this year and but it's been with like three or four different teams. So like Matt said, being shuttled around that not that is not helping him. Not to mention, you know, you're if you have injuries you need to make call ups. Well, who do you call up? They're gonna have to put PTOs out to just about anyone. Now the quality of player that you get on these PTOs may not be as good as somebody you've already drafted, so Having your own ECHL team really helps in, in that aspect as well. Uh, but also, um, there is an option that's available to them if they can sweeten the pot. Uh, there's a, uh, one independent team left in the ECHL, and that's the Norfolk Admirals, and they do not have an affiliation. So maybe they could throw a couple bags of money at Norfolk and gain themselves an affiliation for a couple of years which would buy them time to set themselves up in Throati Just a thought.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it it's possible. Like, wh- why not? If there's already a team there, why not use it?
0: Yeah.
2: They just have to be like the Admirals or something instead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we're, we're going to move on from uh, that depressing scenario and we have a fan question. We have fans. We have fans. Or fan. So, Ryan Rebulkan, uh, at Ryan Rebulkan, uh, his question is, who do we trade and what can we hope from doing so? The other half of that question is, is the idea of a rebuild a feasible option? And do we have enough good enough, good enough young players now? so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it to you, Matt, to kick that off
2: all right, so the question of do we have enough young players now I'd say absolutely um you've see you've seen what Kokonami can do uh when he's healthy um Suzuki's been a very surprising player for uh for a lot of fans out there this year. how uh, flurry kind of came out of nowhere as well, then you've got guys like um uh Juleson, who are hopefully you're gonna be back to health soon so you are getting that injection of youth into the lineup um personally what I think is is the Canadians need some they, they need some skill on their team and uh there's a lot of people right now that are saying we'll take advantage of Tatara he's having such a good season let's get rid of Tatara and we'll get this or let's get rid of Domi. he's gonna be an RFA we'll get this we'll trade Jeff Petrie we'll get this the problem with doing that is you're trading skill when you're looking for skill and you're just going to find yourself back in the same predicament looking for skill. So the only, the the thing is the players that they're likely going to trade right now are guys like Nate Thompson, possibly someone like a Dale Weiss, a Jordan wheel, uh, a Nick cousins, um, Maybe uh, like a Marco Scandella, those kind of guys, possibly even Kovalchuk. Um You're not going to get a lot back for these players in terms of getting another player back. And uh, the Canadians right now, they're almost at that roster limit. They're at they're at 49 to 50 contracts, so it's not like they can bring a lot back. They've got cap space. They can also use that as as an advantage. Um, to possibly bring in a a dead contract from uh, from another team, to, from a contender, to help them out, to facilitate another deal. Um, the problem is with bringing in all these draft picks. Is the Canadians have been draft heavy over the last couple of years? I believe they've had somewhere like twenty one picks or something like that. You go into this year, they've got eleven. So if they use all those picks, if they use all those 11 picks this year, that's 32 draft picks in a span of three years. When you can only have 50 contracts at a a time, where the hell are you going to put all these players? Yes, it's good to have that youth in the system. Yes, it's good to have a good prospect pool. It's good to have all these drafted players. But I think it's time to look at some of these draft picks that you have start flipping them for actual players that can play now or the guys that are really close to, uh, that are really close to, uh, to making the jump to the NHL and, uh, you know, stop stockpiling these picks and, uh, you know, put, put a team on the ice that, that can, uh, that can, you know, they can put, put asses in the seat pretty much, you know, like, um, we're so used to seeing a sellout to the bell center. And there's been reports of, uh, you know, uh, not having a sellout this this game or not having a sellout this game. Like, we're not as bad as the Senators, obviously. But, um, you know, when I watch a game on, uh, on TSN or Sportsnet and I see empty seats, you know, it kind of makes you shake your head as a Canadians fan.
0: Fair. Now, what about you, Treg? Uh,
1: I think the Canadi- Canadians right now are the sixth youngest team in the NHL, and that's after they acquired Kovalchuk. Uh, youth, I don't think is the problem. Uh, the problem is, is the youth isn't ready right now. Like they don't have anyone except maybe Suzuki, who can step in right now and make a difference. Um, the Habs shouldn't rebuild because I think rebuilding is going to set them back another five, six years. I think they're two or three play key players away from being a annual playoff team, like one where you're not a bubble team, like this team should make you know, if they don't make the playoffs there's something seriously wrong. Uh, two, three good players and in, in, in depth of course but uh, that's what you get with uh, a couple good players. I think they're just a a uh, yeah, they're, they're two high level players. I'm not going to say elite but they're two high level. They need a finisher and like uh, someone that's not like Gall- uh, Gallagher. They need a finisher that's going to be you know, be able to to do that power play, something like what a young Kovalchuk was. Um, and and Matt's kinda right. Like get rid of Tatar, get rid of Petrie. You're not gonna get anything for Tatar and Petrie except draft picks, in my opinion. And, and if that's what you're gonna do, then like you said, you're just why why are you stockpiling picks? Like and if the team wants to make the playoffs next year and we've said this before on the show, you make your team in June and July, you don't make your team in December. Uh, if he has a plan to make the playoffs next year, then June and July is the spot where he got to start saying, okay, I got to put this team together so these young guys can start picking up their game. Like, if they're going to trade anyone, I think it's going to be Thompson, Cousins, Wheel, maybe Kulak. Someone like that. It's not going to be anyone major. It's not going to be maybe Skandell or Kovalchuk because they're UFAs, and Kovalchuk has said he wants to play on a uh, on a contender. So to me, I, I think this team's young enough. Uh, I don't think they need to get any younger. I think what they need is to get more quality. Fair. Or, that's, that's or, fair. At, least, or at least NHL ready younger quality players. Like Caulfield, KK... Uh, even Flurry and them guys—they're not or Romanov like Romanov and Koffman. We don't even know if they'll be on the team next year. Um, do we really want them on the team next year? Like if like I'm kind of a notion of if they make it, if they if they they prove in training in uh, in the uh, in the preseason that they can make the team, then sure, put them on the team because you can always put them down later, but. We don't know. We don't know what's going on with either one of them. So, And, and that's the issue if you trade Petrie. Who's replacing Petrie? You, you left a giant hole on the left side. Now you have a giant hole on the right side.
0: Okay. Well, um, now, obviously, I agree with you guys that all the, uh, the UFAs to be are fair game. Trade them all. It really makes no difference. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the value that you'll get back... Like you guys said, it's not going to be anything major. It'll probably just end up being a lot more picks. You know, at most, maybe they get a second out of something at best. Um,
1: Scandella might get you a second, maybe. Yeah. No. Maybe. No, no, probably not even. Kovalchuk no. will. All yeah. these people thinking Kovalchuk is going to get you a second are dreaming because it's not going
0: to happen. If you get a bidding warp, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, either way, doesn't matter doesn't matter. I'm not talking about the value. Um, Now, you guys mentioned Tatar and Petrie. Obviously, Price and Weber are staying, but uh, you made good points. Uh, I agree that you move Petrie, you leave a hole. And if you want to compete next year, uh, who can fill in Petrie's role as a second pair right-handed defenseman for the Canadians next year? Juleson could have been that guy, but he's got health issues. We're not sure what's going on, so there's that massive question mark. Fleury's not ready. Uh, Brooks not ready. Um, can you sign someone on the free agent market? Yeah, maybe, but he hasn't exactly. Uh, hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire with his UFA signings, so he's going to stay unless someone offers something ridiculous, like a, you know a top ten pick and a you know their top prospect and. You know the firstborn, uh, the kingdom of, I don't know Zod, I, whatever, just some if, crazy, if, crazy. If they thing. get a
1: a Pacioretty type deal, yeah, yeah, I say go for it. But you're not going to get that for Petrie or Tatar at the trade deadline.
0: Well, and here's what I was getting at with Tatar. Um, I'm working on something right now where my, I'm I'm putting it. It's like a like a mental exercise. Yeah, let's trade this guy. What'll happen? So with Tatar, that's a different scenario than Petrie. With Tatar, you have depth along the left wing. So there's still Drouet. There's still Domi who's going to be moved to the left wing because Suzuki, as you guys mentioned, he's stepping up and he's playing a bigger role. Uh, Even Paling, who's on the left wing, he may end up as a power forward on the left wing. So you have that. You have uh, There's There's prospects coming. So you could move Tatar. So let's say you do. You bring in a, a first and a prospect because if you move them to the deadline, contending teams don't want to give away roster players. So that just adds a little bit more youth. Maybe, maybe that helps. I don't know, but it, it's it's more the timing of it. So Tatar's twenty nine. You you make the team a little bit younger up front. You have you have these picks and prospects. You can focus on build if you know. Picking some defensemen to help out In, in a, a couple of years Romanov is one guy I think is going to come over next year That could help uh, Scandella may stay And with Romanov and Scandella With uh, That that would mean Mete is available now For a trade you can use him to Maybe trade for to fill another gap You know uh, A hockey deal So these are the things that you're looking at um, Do we have enough young players I'm with you guys the youth is good but, like, the number of youth is good. But I agree with with Treg, the skill needs to be upgraded. So this is the thing. I don't think having Tatar here next year really makes a dent in the playoff chances, whether he's here or not. I don't think it's it's neither here nor there.
1: Uh, I think the team's a playoff team when healthy.
0: Like I, And That's the thing. They need more the, depth. The, that, but they need depth and... With
1: that depth, whether it doesn't matter how old they are, even the young guys, if the young guys like KK and Paling and had the skill to cover the Druins and the Armias and stuff like that, like right now, I'm not saying they won't have it two years down the road, right? I'm saying they don't have it right now. If they had that skill to jump in there, we wouldn't have this issue. Exactly. And, but, but we do have this issue. We have all kinds of, we have the top five prospect pool, but these prospects are not. Today NHLers. No, I mean, not I'm ready. not. I'm not saying KK and Paling and Flurry because they are playing in the NHL. I meant, uh, sort of impact today NHL players. They have the potential to be, just not right now. They're yeah. also. I don't think they're also being. I don't think they're being used right by Julian too. But that's just that, that's, that's another, another that, that's yeah. another story.
0: Now, I've been hearing a lot of the, uh, a lot of this. Well, if we were healthy we would be in the playoffs which i agree a perfect like last year last year they they were barely injured and they just missed had they had that season this year they would be in a play. they would make the playoffs with 96 points but yeah. um i keep hearing the excuses of or the uh, the rebuttals to that excuse saying you know other teams have a whole bunch more man games lost and they're still in the playoffs well I think that's a little—that's intellectually dishonest because you're not taking into account the impact of the number of injuries and who's injured. Like when you're missing four of your top nine forwards, and your whole offensive scheme is built on rolling your four lines and spreading out your offense. Well, that's going to make an impact. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I get it. Pittsburgh lost <laughs> lost Crosby for a long time, but they have Melkin. So,
1: they also know. didn't have those players oh together at the same time for a, a long period of time. Yes, well, no, some I of mean, them, some of them overlapped, but it wasn't like they lost Crosby, Gensel, Latang, and whoever all at the same time.
0: Well, they did have like, Gensel and Crosby out for a while together, but, but it wasn't
1: really that long because uh, Gensel got hurt like
0: ten games, like
1: just be- maybe, right? Like. But they have Malkin and they have, you know, these other players. They have the depth to step into those roles, and that's what Montreal doesn't have. Yeah. And, like and they have look, the... at,
0: look at Toronto. Look at Toronto right now. When they had everyone healthy, they were clicking. Now they're missing two defensemen. It's just two defensemen. It can't be that big of a deal. It's just two guys. Well, they're their two best defensemen. So if you're missing yeah. Riley and Muzzin. Now they're out of a playoff spot. They're just outside the playoffs because they had to deal with losing both Riley and Muzzin for an extended period. That's the problem in Montreal. It's not that you know number of man games lost. That's that is a dishonest method of arguing the point. I've it's, heard it's a, a lot of people say it. It's talent, skill. It's the talent lost. Yeah. The impact. You can yeah. say that Drouet scored most of his points on the third line. Great. But he was scoring points on the third line. With yeah. him gone, who's scoring points on the third line? No one. Lekkonen. He's on the second line because <laughs> everybody's <laughs> out hurt. That's my point. Yeah. This is the point I'm getting at. So if your argument is to use, well, man games lost total, or the Canadians are doing better uh, or aren't doing as bad as others. Yeah. You're you're being dishonest. You're purposely deceiving others in your argument. It's the impact of the skill level loss. Because like I said with Toronto, they lost their two best defensemen and they took a dip. Now Muzzin's coming back. Uh, I think the Leafs are going to uh, see a jump because of that. They're going to move their way back into the playoffs. And as Riley comes back, you're going to see a much better Toronto Maple Leafs hockey team. It it's just goes without saying your best players are there and they're healthy. You'll do good.
1: They also <laughs> have they also have the greatest porn star that ever starred in hockey and uh, Austin Matthews. So
0: <laughs> you mean uh, you mean uh, Ron G- L- Ron L- Burgundy. Little Ron Jeremy Ron Burgundy. <laughs> He's the more amp- like man. Ron Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I, it it's an argument that goes through through Twitter is the whole, yeah. don't use it as an excuse. It's not an excuse, it's a fact. The fact is, Montreal lost the skill when they lost these injured players. The well, fact is, with, the, with these injured players in, they're a playoff team. That's, the, fact that's a fact. Is,
0: the fact is, they don't have enough skill. So these, exactly. these guys missing exposes the underlying fact that there is not enough depth on this team.
1: Yeah. and and if you go back to the whole rebuild reset thing, either way, like another argument that um, I'm tired of on 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 Twitter is we can't handle missing four or five. Well, if you can't handle missing four or five, you're going to have a mediocre team forever. If you can't handle missing a few playoff years to build a contender, you're you're you you complain that the teams are mediocre, but then you complain they don't make the playoffs. Well, what do you want? Well, do you want do you the want... team
0: just sneaking in and losing in the first round and three, you know, having two home yeah. games and they're gone?
1: Or do you, or want, do a you team want a contending go? Team.
0: Yeah. Do you want yeah. a team that can actually win a couple of series?
1: Right. So to me, I'm OK with this four or five because I look at it and say, well, last year was an anomaly. 96 points. They don't make the playoffs. Really? You know, that's only happened twice in the cap era. The, the two years ago, Price got injured. And they were the top team in the league until Price got injured. And they missed by 12 points or something like that. So Price is healthy, they're in. Well, This year, if they're healthy, they're in. So it's not that they're not a playoff team. It's not that the team is so horrible they can't make the playoffs. It's just the team is a bubble team, which we've been saying for over for two years now. The team is a bubble team. And that means that they they can make the playoffs with what they have, if they stay healthy and everything goes according to plan. Now they got to add that depth. That's where Bergeron yeah. has to start adding that depth, start getting those skilled players, so that now we can say we're a playoff team. The question is, can we win the cup? Well, no, and
0: can- here's here's where the whole rebuild, retool crap comes into play. Matt made a good point. There is a shitload of prospects on their way if you count this year's uh, draft there's th- about 32 draft picks over the last three seasons so the last three drafts including the one that's coming up they'll have had 32 prospects picked now if you really want to be a competitive team you gotta you gotta get a couple of home runs in the later rounds well the best way to get a home run is get a ton of swings the more swings yeah. you have the better chance you have of hitting a home run. So if you have 30 later round picks, maybe you get one big home run swing. So yeah, we're, we're not going to sign all these guys, but the chances that we actually find a gem is a lot higher than had it been before back in the years when uh, all these reports are being made. You know, look at all the, the draft busts in the first round. Well, all those years the Canadians were picking like four five, six times at most in those seasons. So yeah, you're not going to be developing NHL picks from there. Now, the way it's going, you're going to have a few guys coming up. Sure. There'll be bottom six guys, but you'll find that one. Maybe that Romanov is that one guy who will show up as a second round pick and be able to play in a top pair.
1: Yep. Yeah, no. And while all things point to that happening point to it, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm, Confident that he'll be a top four player, uh, but he also has 32 picks where he can pick and choose and say which ones do we think are going to make it, and which ones do we think we need to move on. So this is where it comes back to Bergevin again. What are you going to do with all these picks? You're not going to develop them all. You're not going to. They're not no. all going to turn out to what you need to be. So you got to start. And really, he only has a couple years to start. Because I mean, if he keeps going. Well, I'm not mortgaging the future. I'm not mortgaging the future. I'm not mortgaging the future. Well, the future got to start coming. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you well, we see was, what you're doing. He was, he was talking about
0: that. It. He was talking about the future uh, not that long ago. He's talking about competing for the playoffs all the time. And in the, Friedman's 31 Thoughts, he mentioned how the Canadians are looking at competing in 2020 or 2021 playoffs, like, uh, like Matt said. I mean how can anyone be surprised by this i mean mb uh, you know he's he's publicly stated over and over he wants to remain competitive while building um you fans want a transparency he's telling you exactly what he's doing uh, i'm but, keeping he, has it a, but comp- he
1: has no plan Blaine. he has no, no
0: plan well but this is
1: my point
0: he is telling us what the plan is you can disagree with the plan all you want there's not there's parts of it that i think is stupid but yeah. It's it's plainly obvious what he's doing. He has told people what he's doing, and he is doing it. So you want a transparency? Here it is. He made the statement: "I want to stay competitive while rebuilding," <clears throat> or call it whatever you want—rebuild, retool, whatever. He wants to be competitive.
1: But and this is the issue of Montreal, because then you have those fans, like I mentioned before, who are saying, "We can't! How dare we miss four or five playoffs?" Okay, you don't want to miss four or five playoffs yet. So you want to make the playoffs every team, yet you complain that the team doesn't win any Stanley Cups.
0: Well, the same the same people that are complaining <laughs> about missing four or five are the same ones that were complaining that the Canadians were a mediocre team when they were winning exactly. uh, winning all those uh, uh, regular season division titles, which mean nothing, to be honest. And <clears throat> pardon me, and, and making and making it to the second round and the third round once. So yeah. they're good teams, but they weren't winning cups and they were complaining about that
1: because they were mediocre teams.
0: Well, they were, they were missing parts, (laughs) missing parts. So this missing the playoffs is how you get those higher draft picks and you get the better chance at getting the better player who once they arrive, improve the team and you can finally have a team that can actually do something in the playoffs.
1: Like, I, I mean, I do see the argument where, well, if you're always going to pick 14th or 15th, you're really not getting that marquee player. But in the lottery, it doesn't really matter where you finish now because you still have the opportunity to move up somewhere. And this year's draft, it's pretty deep to about 12, 15, 20 anyway. So you're, I think Montreal is going to pick around 9th or 10th. So they're kind of going to get a pretty good player this year, anyhow, but
0: you got Drysdale sitting there at around uh, who's supposed to be around nine. He's at three. Defenseman. He's at three now. On some people's and, list, yes. On some people's list, yeah. But so I
1: like. I'm with you. I like. I like Bayfield myself. I think if Montreal gets a top three Byfield, pick, they should yeah. pick Bayfield. Yeah, that's who I think. I don't. I think Lafreniere or whatever the hell that's you say his not. name. Lafreniere. I think. Uh, I don't think he's going to do well in Montreal. I just don't. What but, do you think, like, Matt?
0: But, You've been quiet for a while.
2: Um, I'm looking at that German kid, to be honest, because nobody's really talking about him. That uh, Stutzel. Stutzel, yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people.
1: But isn't he another small forward, though?
2: Yeah, I think so. Well, he's 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 on the smaller side, but he's still above six feet.
1: Because I I think Montreal needs a power. If they're going to draft, they should draft a power forward. Personally. Or 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 a or a defenseman or a top four defenseman.
0: Awesome. Well, what power forward is available in the top ten?
1: Well, I think. Well, Byfield, I think, but,
0: well, but they're not going to get him. You got to get to. You got to get to two for him. Yeah, that's
1: Maybe what I'm three. saying. You're not going to get. But yeah. I, I'm just saying what I think they need to draft. Whether they are able to draft it, however, I think this draft they should draft a best player available and not to need two. So, No. Kotkin, enemy they drafted to a need. I think this year they got to draft best player available. They
0: probably will. They probably will, but if you're looking at um, a tendency, uh, I would expect Timmins to pick a few right-handed defensemen in this draft because, because there's there's a need for that in the system.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm with Treg. I'm kind of looking for best player available draft. Like they've the last couple of years it's like let's go get centers, let's go get left-handed D, etc., you know. This team needs skill, and if it's uh, a left-handed D is the, the best available player. I'm not talking about maybe the first round, but you know you're looking at two, three, four, etc. You go, you go with the best player available.
0: Well, if the Canadians yeah. are going to stick around, say nine, ten ish, um, one guy I think that could be a game breaker for the, especially for the Canadians, is a guy like Holtz. Um, him, he's on that. Uh, him and Raymond were on the the Swedish team. They're the ones that pretty much drove all the offense, and Raymond plays pro over in uh, for is Lunda the, Is it Frölunda?
2: Yeah, Raymond's in for, for, for Lunda and uh, Holtz is in uh, Deer Gargan.
0: Yeah, there we go. And he so they're they're already playing professional hockey, and I think his numbers are pretty good actually. And he's he's a big kid. He's about six foot six foot one. You know, he's. I'm just looking up his numbers now, and yeah. Yeah, playing in the, the top league, he's got twelve points in twenty six games. So that's pretty good for a seventeen year old playing against men in a pro league.
2: Who's still growing?
0: Who's still growing? So and he plays. He plays a uh, a game where he's he's willing to go to those dirty areas, kind of like what you see with Suzuki, but a better shooter, not as good of a passer. You know, he's not as cerebral. He's he's a winger who likes to shoot. And he likes to shoot from everywhere, but really loves to shoot from inside. So, so this was a yeah. long winded, uh, <laughs> long winded for a segment, but, um, <laughs> so no, I, know,
2: I know what you, I know what you mean, but like, yeah. as Craig said, like, if you want to, if you want to power forward, the only power forward that you're really looking at is Blyfield. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, in the juniors, he did not play a power forward role. He's he really did. Line. Yeah, but he didn't, um, you know, for a guy that's his size playing playing in uh, playing in the juniors, I would expect him to be a little bit more uh, dominant. And, uh, you know, fourth line or not, he, he didn't really stand out for me.
0: Well, no, it, the world juniors is more of a 19-year-old tournament, and he's Absolutely. 17. He's Absolutely. a 17-year-old, so... Um, his real coming out party is going to be next year's, but uh, if you watched him play in the OHL, I'm sure you have. Uh, I've seen I've seen him play there many times as well. He is impressive to watch. It is, it's something else. The skill, the speed, his size, his ability to, uh, oh, it, he's got everything you need to be a big centerman who could dominate a game.
1: Sign, him. sign him right now.
0: Done, done deal. Done. Anyway, uh, we we'll stop this segment here. I think we've rambled quite enough. Um, we're gonna take. I think a Matt was. Break. I think
1: Matt was eating nachos the whole time. I don't think he was. I think he's. he's, he's I, I think he's just sitting back. you like, yeah. What's on Pornhub right now?
0: What's uh? <laughs> Pornhub? You mean RedTube? Whatever. I don't know. Air Force. Air Force has red tube. Air
1: Force, that's right, red tube. That's no, we've,
2: we've got browsers. <laughs> browsers. <laughs> I make that I make spec pay. I can afford that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and there you go.
2: Uh,
1: sh- there you go. Matt's a
2: pervert.
0: Well, <laughs> anyway. We don't we don't get the bandwidth on the warships that the Air yeah. Force can get. Yeah. We don't we don't uh, get to uh, stay in five star hotels. Yeah, yeah this
2: just true. in uh, have's unfiltered. Uh, new, uh, new promotion is uh, <laughs> the Brazzers <laughs> <laughs> now sponsored by. Well, I hope so. That's good so, money. <laughs> Speaking
0: of promotions, oh, seatgiant.ca. If you want to go to a concert, check out a hockey game, maybe you want to go to a different kind of show, go to seatgiant.ca, drop the code unfiltered20. And you will get 35% off any fees when you book your tickets.
1: And that's anywhere in the country.
0: That is anywhere in the country. Any tickets sold on seatgiant.ca, promo code UNFILTERED20 gets you 35% off your your purchase. uh, the cost of purchasing the ticket. So not thirty five percent off the ticket, but the fees involved with purchasing the ticket from Sea Giant. Uh, yeah, we're bam. trying to save you money. That's what we do. That's what we do. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna stop the segment here. Uh, we're gonna take a commercial break, and when we come back, Treg has his interview with Jason Paul of the uh, Wave Intel of versus. Uh, dot uh, what it was versus.ca Versus.com? uh
1: I think so yeah uh oh <laughs> and yes. the hockey Vers- writers
0: yeah my colleague at the hockey writers i'm sorry jason it's my fault <laughs> I, I i had a little space cadet moment i was distracted by brazzers earlier i <laughs> i apologize
1: he he plugs himself in the interview so everything will be in the interview there you go <laughs>
0: Speaking of browsers. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll stop here. We'll have a commercial. And when we come back, Jason Paul joins Treg. Do you
1: have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Burgigarns gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better characters so you can get the gains you need. Get Burgigarns! 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 Today! Not a real project, May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use if you're healthy. If you want to loyalty, buy a dog. Welcome to, back from Habs Unfiltered. I'm here with uh, Jason Paul, a writer for the uh, Hockey Writers. Uh, and uh, he has a program out called uh, Versus, which uh, I believe compares player stats with other players to see how good or bad they are compared to their counterparts. Is that right there, Jason? Or get yeah,
3: that? yeah, that's perfect. That's right. I do some writing for uh, the hockey writers with the Habs, uh, writing for the Habs, and I also do uh, some writing for Boston Hockey Now uh, for the Bruins. So I guess that's a bit of a little bit of a clash, but I try to make <laughs> that work.
1: <laughs> so you're so like our counterpart here on Habs Unfiltered Blank, Podfin, you both write for the Habs for the Hockey writers. So there's a bit of a uh, six degrees of separation here with, yeah, uh, yeah. with the podcast and you uh, guys.
3: Yeah, I've gotten so, to know him uh, uh, a lot better in the past few weeks since he started writing for the Hockey yeah. writers.
1: Right, That's good. So tell us about what this uh, Versus uh, program you have going on does.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's been a year. I, I started this a year ago. I think I was on Twitter maybe starting a year and a half ago. Um, uh, I've got an economics and statistical background in school and, uh, in my day job, I, I've, uh, done a lot of project management with, uh, IT and, um, that kind of stuff. And so I, I'm kind of interested in the numbers side of things and, um, I love what some of the hockey community is doing on online and Twitter with with these great graphs that they're doing and and I just thought I would kind of jump in. So, but the idea of uh, versus um, where uh, versus basically compares teams side by side uh, and it also does players side by side as well. And the idea around that was to make it more like a more like an app so that uh, that you know. I didn't have to recreate a new graph every time, so this was something that was all pre-set up, which was a lot of work. But now you just go in and select your players, or select your teams, and it spits out it's all spits out the uh, data for you. I basically um, did it for myself at first, right? Because when you try to analyze a player, I'm sure you've done the same thing at teams. You might you might go to TSN.ca or NHL.com, and you're looking, you know, where do they rank for goals for? Where do they rank for goals against? How does it compare against the league? How does it compare against a different team? I found myself doing that a lot, and and that was the reason I built these tools because it can just do it all without having to flip back and forth the different uh, websites and different uh, data sheets. It's all on one spot.
1: So what kind of uh, what kind of stats are we looking at here? Like, are we looking at uh... Uh, are you getting into the very nitty gritty with like expected goals and stuff like that or is it just your basic goals against the average save percentage and so forth and so on
3: yeah i mean that was a that was a tough one when i started creating it um that was the big question right it's like you can't just slap stats willy nilly comparing against each other right um and i found that um the analytics community if you can call that online they're just amazing these people that uh, hockey graphs and uh um mika mccurdy and all these people like these guys are like academic they're 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 on the side of developing new statistics and doing all these great regression analysis and stuff but i also found that the average fan has a bit of trouble with that right so i really on one side i wanted to understand better the analytics, the the deeper dive stuff, but at the same time, I wanted to make it a little bit more tangible for the average fan. Um, so I kind of melded both of them. I've got the advanced stats, and I also have some of the old school stats in there as well. So it can kind of give you. I think the idea there was, you know, I, I want to be able to see the power play percentage that is quoted on TV, but I also want to see the underlying stats for that. So I can be my, I can see the difference, right? That was the idea.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, and what did you, what? Okay, I guess I should say, uh, what's the most surprising uh, thing you found comparing players? Like, uh, you know, did you find Crosby wasn't as good at something that you thought he was good at, or maybe this other player who you thought was bad at something excelled? Like, was there anything really surprising that jumped out at you, or anything like that?
3: Yeah, I think. One of the things, the biggest questions always is, um, with the the underlying data like the Corsi, the shot attempts for, and the expected goals for and expected goals against, is first of all, understanding that. And second of all, is it a good predictor of a good player or a good team? And what I've really found really fascinating is... You can hardly—it's very difficult to explain the really good players like Ovechkin, and uh, and then the the teams as well. So, a good example of what you're asking there, what I found was, if you look at the underlying power play stats for um, the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Washington Capitals, they're not very good. Like the the shot attempts and the, the, but their output goals rate and the goals they score is unbelievable because they have so much skill yeah i know it's it's i mean that's not rocket science but i I just like seeing that in the data and which kinds of what kind of makes it difficult to uh interpret you always have to put context to the to the data and i think that's that helps when you see those kinds of difference be able to do it so you're either if you don't have good scoring chances but you're scoring a lot you're either really good, like Ovechkin, or you're really lucky. Right? Yes. Yeah. You have to make that interpretation when you see the data.
1: So it's like it's like the opposite of the Habs right now, who are leading the league in shots, but can't score a goal if their life depended on it.
3: Exactly. <laughs> it
1: was... yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. This will be like two years in a row where they've scored then the league leaders in uh, or top five in shots, yet bottom five in shooting percentage. So...
3: Exactly. So you got to start asking your. If you're a Habs fan, you're asking yourself the question like, why? What's going on here? Like, um, and but that the extra analytics and the data might not answer the questions, but at least it helps you explore and ask the right questions or different questions, I guess. So like that that's a good question. If you're if you are always tilting the ice with the shot at you know leading the shot attempts, leading the expected goals, but you're losing, there's got to be something up there, right?
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, And I noticed you brought up another thing, and this is something that I, I've argued on Twitter, and, and the stats aren't everything. You also have to watch the game and watch, watch the things because many there's many reasons why a goal happens or a goal doesn't happen. Uh, and I guess the big cursor on that is Carey Price. Uh, you mentioned a few days ago about Price's numbers over the past three years. He's not really even in the top 15. I don't think of, of goalies when it comes to a lot of these stats. But yet yeah. you watch him and you still look at him as we still look. He's still incredible, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I think to me, that's the biggest. I don't know. It's not an issue, but it's the biggest thing I have is going, oh, if you look at the stats, maybe Carey isn't the 10. You know what I mean? He's not yeah. the goalie we think he is. But when you watch the games, you're like, man, how can he not be the goalie we think he is? So.
3: Yeah. But it leads you to ask the, that question, right? Okay, so yeah. if the stats are saying he's not great or he's average, and we watch him play and we think he's good, and a lot of, and the players say he's good, when the players yeah. say he's good, that's that's usually a red not a red flag, but that's a flag saying something, right? Yeah. And I, when it comes to the Habs, the only thing I, you know, I can think of is that their breakdowns are just too big, you know. So yeah. And you know the timeliness of them and the quality of the score, even though the data is not very good at collecting how good of a quality chance that chance is, but yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt and say that they're just giving up way too quality, high quality chances to the wrong players as well. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Going, going back to that Ovechkin analysis is, you know, the, I don't know how much you know about expected goals, um, but it's expected goals is a good metric because it takes into account a lot of things. It's not just putting a rating on the shot. It's putting a rating on how how good quality that chance is, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we go back to the Ovechkin example. He doesn't need a high quality chance to score. So if, getting back to the Carey Price thing here is like maybe the Habs are not, prepared well enough for the game maybe they're not playing the best player against they're they're not covering the best players well enough well
1: Ovechkin well Ovechkin always seems to be open so it doesn't really matter who's covering him like to to this day I don't understand how he gets wide open three times a game but uh and usually scores in every single one of them uh yes again that's uh, I don't know hopefully Cole Caulfield will be the same way Hopefully.
3: Yeah, let's hope. And I don't know.
1: So that that's your program. Uh, check it, everyone. Check it out. It's called Versus, correct? Yes. I'm sure, I'm right. It's called Versus, and you can get it on any platform. Although you did tweet the other day, it's not very great on smartphones.
3: Yeah, there's two Versus. There's one that does the teams, and that works well on uh, smartphones, uh, laptops, and tablets and computers. The the new player one that I just uh, launched a few weeks ago works well on the laptop and and stuff but the smartphone it's having trouble on there so hopefully you can get a hold of a tablet or a computer to to look it up all right perfect
1: okay moving on so you're a you're you're a Habs fan right Jason
3: I am a Habs fan yes
1: okay because I know you're right for Boston so I want to <laughs> make sure you're <laughs> uh what do you think happens uh Let's, I just want to know if you want to have a discussion on what do you think is going to happen this year at the trade deadline, or, or, or have you heard anything? Have you heard any whispers in the air, or or what do you? Who do you think is going to go? Who do you think is
3: going to stay? Yeah, if you're asking me to predict uh, how, like i I've, I've got no insider knowledge, um, but if I can just, you know, based on what Bergevin has done in the past and what he's tendency to do is, uh, he, I see him as a kind of a play it safe, um general manager he yeah, works yeah. around the weeds so he's not gonna he's gonna try to move out the uh guys like thompson right mm-hmm. yeah. and um who else is an unrestricted free agent that oh a scandela um i can see him moving two to three pieces it's the deadline's never as big as we always think it is right so um if you think he's gonna move three he might move one right
1: All right, with the trade deadline coming up, uh, Jason, uh, I know you're you're a Habs fan over a Bruins fan, even though you write for both. I won't do that against you. Uh, (laughs) What's your expectations in the upcoming trade deadline? So, what what do you think is going to happen, or who do you think is going to be moved out, or do you think there there's going to be any moves?
3: Yeah, I mean, for the Habs, um, I think even the guys on TSN and we all kind of get caught up in uh, the trade bait board and all that kind of stuff, but in reality, it's always a lot less activity, and I I foresee Bergevin being pretty uh, conservative. Um, it would, you know, um, Petrie's on the the trade board, which kind of surprises me. The TSN trade board a bit. Maybe there's something insider that they know that the rest of us obviously don't know. Um, but-
1: For me, when it when it comes to Petrie and Tatar, I I don't see them going this year, especially if Montreal wants to make the playoffs next year. Uh, but like, yeah, maybe they know something we don't. I mean, McKenzie and Drager and them seem to know more than we do. So who knows? Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's like if they traded Pete, like especially Petrie, for me, that that would leave a massive hole. Um, yes. And um, you know, replacing a defenseman that does that that much on a team. No offense against Tatar, even though he's the he's their premier forward right now. It's just so much difficult more difficult to to uh, replace a defenseman but that being said i mean if he's on the trade board it's interesting like we never know what's behind the scenes right did did he ask for a trade or uh did did they talk to the agent and the the you know extension wouldn't look good these are the kind of things that we don't know that maybe those insiders know a bit um and if he did move i'm i'm thinking it's a pretty big haul i know.
1: Well, especially with a year on his contract, if he and Montreal drafting in Montreal next year, I would see a first coming back, or at least Montreal would want a first coming back if they're going to give up Petrie now. Because, like you said, who replaces him? We already got a big hole on the left side. Who replaces that big hole on the right side? Now you're, you're you kind of have two big holes on defense going forward.
3: Yeah, exactly. And whoever. If they were going to trade for him, if another team was going to trade for him, I mean, yeah, they get a whole other year. They get negotiating after mm-hmm. that, and you're talking about a bona fide top end defenseman. They, those guys don't, you know, fall off trees. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so it definitely. And if he's leave, if if Bergevin was to trade him, you would think that it was not because he wanted to, it was because he couldn't he couldn't resist the uh, haul.
1: Right, and 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 we know from the past, uh, Bergevin's. Um, Bergman's pretty good at trading. He's pretty good at getting what he wants in a trade. Uh, we've seen that with the Suzuki trade, the Galchenyuk trade, the Deneau trade. So yeah. I, I, I'm i kind of with you on this one. I, I don't see Petrie moving. Only because with this reset, I see Montreal being a, uh, a wanting to make the playoffs next year much like they did this year, but I think they may have a better chance depending on off-season moves and everything. Uh, But uh, now with uh, Scandella and Kovalchuk and that, sure, I can see them going and maybe the entire fourth line, like Wheel and Thompson and Cousins or something. But that's what I see. Yeah, Yeah,
3: I agree. And, and, um, I mean, the trouble becomes when you start launching these guys for nothing – you know, the only thing you're recouping is their cap value, right, often, you know. So, like Thompson, for sure, you know, Scandella, I don't know how much they really like that guy. Bit, but maybe they could re-sign him, right, if they trade him and then sign him in the summer. Um, yeah. That's kind of,
1: of that's kind of a lot of talk with Kovalchuk, that people, because Kovalchuk has said he wants to be a uh, play for a cup. He wants to win a cup. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they trade him to a cup contender and he resigns in the offseason and kind of is the insurance for Caulfield or insurance for, you know, someone who gets hurt, which we didn't have this year when everyone ended up getting hurt.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would have been nice to get him a little bit earlier, actually, right?
1: Yeah, it would, like uh, Laurie, I actually said on my Toxic Tuesday show, because I didn't really agree with her at first, and then afterwards I was like, maybe you're right, Laurie. Maybe we should have got them two weeks earlier.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, because if, if we even won half of the 16 games they lost in their two eight-game lose streaks, we're in second place in the Atlantic.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of, what, yeah. 11,
1: 11 points out or 12 points out, whatever we are now.
3: Yeah. So, but yeah. I could, it, of a like a, of a big uh, movement, I could see Tatar going definitely before tree, uh, Petrie
1: hmm
3: uh, well because of the again, it would have to be something that he couldn't turn down right
1: yeah, yeah I uh, personally I don't see either one of them going I, I see Kolvachuk Scandella and like weese Thompson uh or wheel Thompson and uh, cousins yeah. uh, maybe not so much wheel I don't know what value and 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 the the only thing i I don't like or like about it, I guess is I don't see what they're gonna really get for them. Like Kolbechek may haul them a third round, but like everyone thinks he's going to get a second round pick or something, but I, I don't see it being that high. Uh, yeah. Uh, GMs are going to look at it the entire season, not just with with Montreal. So. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah the uh, trade. I don't know. Trade, yeah, I agree, and I, that, that's what it becomes. It becomes, do you bother trading Cousins for a fifth round or sixth round pick? Like, right?
1: Especially when we already have what eleven picks in this draft or something like
3: that. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, just, uh, I, but the, the the trade deadline's a crazy animal right it's like it's it, if people run out of if teams run out of uh players to add then you know and kovalchuk's are uh, kovalchuk's the last person on the board available you never know they might get a second round draft pick for him yeah,
1: well he got more for placanic at the trade deadline a couple years ago than i thought he'd get there from toronto
3: so mm-hmm. you're right who knows yeah he's who good knows? at Bergevin's good at that for sure
1: yeah so going forward, we talked about the trade deadline. What, uh, where do you see the Montreal? Do you see them, and did you do you see this reset working, or do you do you understand why it's called a reset, not a rebuild, or, uh, uh what what where, where are you going with that? There's a big thing on Twitter now about people saying he should sell everything off and rebuild. Other people like me who say I get the reset. I, I think what he's doing is on the right path. Where where do you stand on this uh, on this a debate, I guess. Ongoing debate, I guess, on, on, on Twitterverse.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to be the GM on Twitterverse, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I I think I side more on the, the side of, of uh, teardowns and rebuilds quickly. Uh, I just think there's a natural ebb and flow to the, to the uh, ecosystem of the NHL, you know, and it rewards losers and it rewards winners. If you're stuck in the middle, I just that that's not a good spot to be um so what that I guess what that boils down it means that I, I think that Bergevin needs to be more aggressive than he has been uh, okay. whether that's overpaying for free agents when you know not everybody but when he needs to um you know I don't know you look back at that run that they had in was it
1: 2014
3: yes yeah yeah and, and they got um, all those fourth liners, right? Dwight King and
1: no, oh, that was in 2017. Oh yeah, 14, that's right. and 14 you got Thomas Vanek.
3: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's like, did maybe if you could uh, again, obviously hindsight is 2020, mm. but yeah. um, like maybe he should have been more aggressive back then, right? Yeah. Would it have been <laughs> it made a big difference if he's if he did trade a first rounder and did pick up someone that could have pushed him further and stuff? I just find that. It's not just the Habs. I think the Canadian teams in general, we we don't swing for the fences enough, I think.
1: I think this off season with the Aho and the Duchesne and the Gardner, I think he tried. I think he tried to get his uh you know that star player in the off season that he needed, even though Duchesne and Gardner I think were pretty good misses. But yeah. uh <laughs> um I think a lot of people go well, he should have offered more in the aho and I argue I don't think aho is worth three first round picks to be honest with you and he is getting paid nine and a half million dollars so or something to that effect anyway yeah. I, I, you know what I mean like I, I think he went that far because he him and Molson were like this is all we're paying this is it right yeah. if they if they if they match it great um, but I, I agree like I, I'm okay with the reset because I think the team, as it is now as a playoff team, as long as everything plays perfect, mm-hmm. like no injuries and prices on top of his game. And they just need to add depth so that when they do have an injury, you got a player that can step in and maybe not be as good, but, you know, and good enough. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do see the side of the rebuild. I do see where they're like, you know what? We haven't made it. It's going to be four of the last five. Let's just make it not make it for the next six seven years, and you know, because and that's what will happen. I think if you get rid of Weber and Price and all those guys, you're looking at another three or four years without the playoffs. Personally, that's my opinion, but yeah. I, I could be wrong. But uh, I, I do see the the rebuild side. I just think they're in a spot right now where they're close. I think they're trying to be like what Boston did a few years ago, just not as quick. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I,
3: I, I don't. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you the the sport is you know i hate I people hate when stats people say this stuff but it's a it's so much luck right and it's so much timing and you just got to hit everything right you know it's the, the the regular season is really important to not go in massive funks right you just yeah. gotta make like i agree with him when when bergevin says you just got to make the playoffs and then you never know and i i totally <laughs> believe that yeah um but that's the hard part making the playoffs right yeah exactly and, what you hit on there, the depth part, is is I think it's a big problem. Like at the beginning of the season, I think the team thought they had enough depth. I think the fans thought they had like I thought they had enough depth. T S when you listen to T S N six ninety, they're like, Oh yeah, look at this, we've got these guys. And then it, it kind of fell off, right, when Druin got hurt and and so what is what needs to happen if if I look at lessons learned as is if I was around the boardroom with uh, Bergevin, I'd be like, we they got to be quicker plugging those holes, right? Don't exactly. Don't, don't wait for the wheels to fall off. Go trade a second round. Like I mean, this sounds crazy, but if you want to make the playoffs, you have to somehow fill, you know, get get your Kolochuk to fill out uh, Druin's spot. If your backup is not working out, don't wait a month until you've got eight losses in a row. Like they got to do something. They got to plug those holes.
1: Yeah. No, and I I totally agree with that. Uh, he he, I think he thought he could do it, and the players would come back, and he could do it. And of course, we get two eight-game losing streaks, and all hope is lost.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's too, it really is too bad because the team yeah. is like, you know, like I I think I I criticize Bergevin a lot, but there's a lot of stuff I like about him, and like I do like the players he acquires. Like they're they seem to be hardworking. Uh, good people you like to cheer for a team like that right
1: yeah i mean even in their their eight game losing streak the last one they, they were in every game they, they yeah. could have easily won every game and it, it just didn't go their way
3: yeah no exactly
1: so. ah well <laughs> jason i want to thank you very much for taking the time to be with us
3: Drake, uh, thanks you very much man those yeah not...
1: yeah and uh, good luck with verses. uh
3: Thank you very much, Greg. Yeah, I'm just gonna plug my stuff. You can you can go to uh, www.waveintel.org to access all the free tools uh, like verses, and uh, you can catch me at Wave Intel on Twitter. Thanks so much, Greg. Yeah,
1: no problem. Thanks, Jason. Have a good night. Uh, you know, let's hope the Habs go 31-0 and 0 and show yeah, us all the shank. Yeah, crazy run. That would be amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see
1: what happens. All right, okay. thank you, and uh, we'll talk again. Cheers. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post?
0: Well, if you're on Twitter after dark and feel a little angry, you can wear Fire Murphy.
1: This fragrance is available on every social media site. Fire Murphy. On every message. board. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts, take a bath. In, Fire
3: murky. You'll need no other fragrance.
0: And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you are informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we.
3: jeff woods and i'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it he just was one of those people he, he stood out he was a magic guy he really was a magic guy oh we all have force he had the same amount of force as we all have this is before led zeppelin robert was full-on i mean he was led zeppelin without the band behind him he had the hair the jeans the whole thing you know and he was amazing the records and rock stars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts all the episodes from jeff